And that's why I believe in you because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It's to, it sounds corny. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people. Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort, which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. Greetings, fellow Positive Heads. Welcome back to another episode of the Positive Head Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Beecham. I've got Dalian here with me today in all his glory. Welcome, Dalian. Hola. I like what you did there. The greetings? I see what you did there. Yes. I mean, you know, something a little different. <laughs> yeah, just a little different. Amazing what a what a big difference a small change can make. True. Uh, True that. That could be the um, theme to another day's episode. What a big difference a small change can make. Dun, dun, dun. Or okay. something. Yeah, we'll put it out there. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it'll resonate with someone who's listening now. but uh, Or something shall be the alternate. Uh, <laughs> right. Tagline. <laughs> I love that. I love saying something really profound and then saying, or something. <laughs> yeah, that's like your brother's catchphrase, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Ah, uh, let's see. Another day in paradise. Moving through. Finding what's good around. Finding the best of what's around. What did you find as far as good stories that are lying around and about? Oh, I got it. Another bit of um, scientific weirdness for you. Ah, you've uh, been coming with a lot of the scientific weirdness lately. Yeah, which I know I have to twist your arm to to get me to, you know, let me talk about on the show. Uh, no, we're going to talk about another aspect of, um, I suppose it, w- it would be, well, I, I don't suppose, it is actually quantum physics and uh, or quantum theory and general relativity, that side of reality once more. Which the, is as strange as any fiction, which is yes. why I like talking about it. Yeah. It's like for the scientific mind who's only looking at very surface level science, it's like, uh, get to the quantum level stuff. And it is so bizarre and so in line with uh, matter being illusory and us creating our reality. And, you know, I always like to say spirituality and science are definitely doing a dance right now where they, they mirror, you know, they're like mirrors, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, Brandon, I think it was Richard Feynman or another uh, prominent physicist. Uh, I forget who right now. I was trying to look it up real quick. But yeah, they made a quote, um, something like, if I can remember, um, if you haven't uh, been profoundly puzzled by the weird nature of quantum physics, then you don't understand quantum physics. Yeah, then something you're not like paying attention or something. Yeah. yeah, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, because the thing that became clear when we started looking down there or in there, as it were, at the sort of cogs that make up reality 
uh, is that they didn't conform to classical Newtonian physics, right? That's kind of infamous or famous about that discrepancy, right? Between yeah. the gross macro reality kind of physics of inertia, speed, momentum, etc., and the micro or tiny, you know, reality. And so what this article is, Brendan, is uh, a story on how perhaps there was never any beginning, never any Big Bang. Oh, wow. One of the biggest, you know, of course, scientific theories, right? That right, we've right. all grown up with. Yes, so what essentially it's happened is that um, a group of uh, Indian physicists, mm -hmm. um, I think that they maybe have been connected to uh, Presidency University in uh, Kolkata, mm -hmm. but uh, what they did is they took the work of some uh, earlier physicists from the 1950s, one of the uh, people involved in the study was like one of his professors, right, from the 1950s, and other pioneering um Minds from quant the quantum physics field, like uh, physicist David Bohm, highly mm -hmm. influential to mm -hmm. uh, quantum physics. But so what they did is they took some of their equations and they subjected them to uh, what could be called a quantum correction. So they basically used one of their models and and uh, corrected some of the calculations, adjusted them for some revisions, things that weren't accounted for before. What they've done is they've come up with an alternate model, Brandon, mm -hmm. where the universe was never in a state of singularity. So essentially, it was never um, in this uh, kind of yeah singularity point where all matter was compressed. Uh, there right, was no the singularity space. meaning all, all, all matter condensed to the small, uh, super 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 dense uh, state, uh, and then of course it exploded outwards, and here we are as the universe. Indeed. So what uh, the universe may have done early on is that it may have been in a state that perhaps uh, very closely approached that uh -huh. particular point, but was never really fully there. So uh, one of the reasons why the physicists even did this is that uh, there's always been sort of a major problem at the heart of the Big Bang Theory, which is that uh, the current models that we have explain everything that happens right after the initial moment of the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. But they can't account for what happened during the Big Bang mm -hmm. or right after the, or right before, I mean. Uh-huh, right. So uh, that's sort of right outside the veil. And according to their model, Brandon, this new model accounts for that and it even accounts for a couple of other uh, phenomena. Like a lot of these uh, more kind of exotic models is what they do is they sort of synthesize a bunch of stuff. So it's really pretty interesting. It would mm -hmm. be you know interesting to see where this goes. This model, for example, Brandon, may also include a sort of quantum theory of gravity in there, which is another big mystery. They propose that the universe is, fi is filled with a quantum fluid, essentially is what they call it. And this quantum fluid would carry the uh, posited uh, theoretical particles that carry the force of gravity called gravitons. Mm -hmm. These would be particles that have no mass, but somehow uh, carry the force of gravity. Right. Sort of like photons carry light or, or are the force of light, essentially. Right. So quantum fluid, um, you know, explaining the initial conditions of the universe, taking out the fact that the universe had a beginning. So, and essentially it always was, it's just this evolved, of course, over mm -hmm. time. And it even uh, possibly accounts for dark m matter and dark energy. According to this model, there's no need for dark matter. So it's all sort of explained in there. Wow. So yeah, that's another thing that I thought was interesting. Is this a brand new a brand new model that they've just recently put out? Yeah, what I found is an article on uh, collective evolution, Brendan. Mm -hmm. But they link to the study that can be you can read about more on uh, the website called fist.org. Fisk? So yes, uh, as in physics, oh. p h y s dot org. Oh, okay. Yes.
Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Maybe one day we'll really know <laughs> how how it all came about or we'll, we'll understand more. I, I just wonder if we'll ever get to the bottom of it all in the physical form. I suppose time will tell. Uh, great story, Dalian. Thanks for sharing. Moving right along, I've got a question here. Came from Ellen. Ellen said, I just started listening to the podcast yesterday and it's already changing my life exponentially. You guys are such a gift. Thank you for doing what you do. My question is about martyrdom and sacrifice. I come from a family that puts a lot of emphasis on carrying the cross, quote unquote. We're not a Christian family, but I I can understand why the example would lead one to believe that. We find it admirable to suffer when others are suffering. I often feel selfish for thinking positively or for feeling good because I know there are billions of people suffering on this planet. How can I continually feel joy, love, and happiness when I know how much suffering there is? Am I ignoring or dismissing others' suffering when I myself do not suffer? I want to serve others and do good in the world, and I fear that I may disconnect from the suffering of my tribe if I'm not tapped into that suffering. Thanks for everything. Love and light, Ellen. What a great question. And uh, Ellen, thank you for, you know, so newly finding the show and then writing in so quickly. I love that because we love interactivity. And uh, yeah, this one just popped up right before I was about to start figuring out the show today. And we, I just went with it. So um, yeah, very, very cool. And any of you guys out there who haven't ever written in, we'd love for you to write in. And also, if you're willing to even come on the show, I'd love to talk to some of you guys directly. And I, I do have some of that forthcoming daily and I've been, you know, kind of putting it out there and we've had people write in. And so it's just a matter of organizing, recording, all those things. So that will be coming soon. In the meantime, we'll just take this question uh, as is. And it's, it's such a, such a great one. And so I was really thinking about this, uh, you know, of course, before the show. And uh, I know this is one that so many people relate to, relate to. And uh, found a quote out there by Marianne Williamson. And the quote is, when a butterfly flaps its wings near the tip of South America, it affects the wind patterns near the North Pole. And the same is true in the realm of consciousness. Every miracle you work in your life is a blessing on life itself. And the reason I use, and that's a quote from her book, The Age of Miracles. And the reason I use this quote and bring up this quote is when you understand your connectivity to all those that are suffering and of course, empathy is is an important piece of the puzzle. Understanding is a, an important piece of the puzzle. I think our souls experience suffering so that we can empathize and relate to those who are still lost in suffering. And of course, we all go in and out of suffering in different, uh, you know, a, a different uh, sort of scales and temperatures, so to speak. Um, but what you're talking about here, Ellen, is you can't feel joy, loving, and happiness when there is suffering out there. You feel guilty if you're not suffering along with them, sort of taking it on. And the problem with that approach is you instantly have disconnected yourself from joy and bliss. You, uh, you know, suffering for them doesn't help anyone. It does the exact opposite. If you want to bring, if you want them to, to stop suffering, that's really what, what it's about for you, which is wonderful. You have empathy, you're a loving soul, you feel the connectedness to them. That's all great and good. The best service you can offer is drumming up joy. Uh, you know, you're a butterfly flapping your wings in that moment. Your joy becomes connected to their joy or potential for joy. The only thing that you can do is 
this, is to not take on their pain, is to not... Um, you know, wallowing in that with them. That, that is uh, just a wrong perspective or, or a perspective that doesn't get the results that you seek, rather. It's, it, you know, there is no right and wrong. You can take this perspective if you want, but it doesn't get the results you seek. What are the results you seek? You want them to, uh, their suffering to be alleviated. The, the, you know, yesterday I was, you know, smart and I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise and I want to change myself. That quote, I don't, I forget who said it and it might not even be an exact quote, but you guys get the idea. What is it saying? Changing yourself is what makes the biggest difference. Managing your own vibration is what causes the butterfly flapping. If I were here, for example, right now, you, you wrote in and you said, uh, listening very recently and it's already changing your life, this podcast. Now, what if I was lost in the suffering of others? Would I be doing this podcast or would I be in the corner crying? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't affect your life. I, I couldn't flap my wings and in some way bring peace or joy to you or anyone else or, or perspective or healing. So this is the way. The way is to be as, the opposite. Be as joyous as possible. Put down the cross. That's just a, a, an idea you had that just doesn't get the results that you seek. And uh, so, you know, the greatest disservice to those that you can have is to wallow to suffer is to join them in suffering. It doesn't mean you don't understand. It doesn't mean you don't empathize. But by by diving into, it's like, you know, hey, let me drown with you. No one is saved. On the other hand, if you are saving yourself, bringing joy through yourself, you, since you are an extension, it's all one consciousness, the separation between you and those suffering is an illusion, then a part of them is now in joy when you're in joy. Yes, Brandon, I hope to expand upon what you said, but I know what you said is true. And this is something we've talked about before, perhaps not at length, but I have my own uh, sort of personal experience with that because I've, uh, I've got a brother who is, uh, finds it very hard to not suffer when others are suffering. Mm. And that prompts you to look at that whole issue. Like, w what is really the, the core of suffering? What is that all about, right? And of course, you know, it's something that, puzzles people religious or otherwise who can feel pain, right? They see so much wrong, quote unquote, in the mm -hmm. world, and they wonder what the heck is that all about? Why yeah. do we, you know, why do we have to create so much suffering, right? Right. But I think that you've got it right on point. And one of the things that you can sort of uh, use as a thought experiment to kind of help you see this is if you have the ability to give people, say, a million dollars, let's let's say, and look at someone who is suffering out there, someone who is struggling financially, for example, and say, if I gave you a million dollars, I think that that would help, you know, fix pretty much all your problems. Mm -hmm. So imagine that you could do that and even maybe just do it anonymously. Just put the money in someone's account. Right. Well, just think about that for a second. I think we all know where this is going and we know examples of this. I think I mentioned it recently. People who win the lottery who are newly rich, right? Lose their fortunes within Many a couple of years. Many say it's the worst thing that ever happened to them. <laughs> right. People who, exactly, people who have issues with money, it doesn't matter how much money you give them, the issues will continue. People who have issues with addiction, right? Right. A, a huge one. Take away someone's addiction, but if you don't change their underlying patterns that produce the addiction, they will relapse. They will go right back into Absolutely. That. So you can't really change the condition. You can't really take away other people's suffering. The thing, And uh, you made the crucial distinction there. The thing that you want to do is understand that empathy is different from actually suffering with another right, person, right? right. right? So, and, and yeah, your suffering isn't helping them at all. Your empathy is you what the world is You can't suffer enough for. to help 
anyone out. <laughs> exactly. There's no lack of abundance. You can't be poor enough to make others rich. You can't suffer enough to make others happy. None of that is the just, it's, it's a backwards approach, right? It's understandable why someone would view it from this perspective, but it's just, it's not a formula that will get the job done. And to really drive that point home, we've been on a roll with uh, Abraham. Um, I know Ellen is newly listening to the show. So our favorite teacher, we oftentimes will share uh, clips from favorite teachers and probably the top of that list is Esther Hicks uh, or Abraham. And um, here is a clip clip, uh, from Abraham called other people suffering empathize or not. And I found this on a YouTube page, six, four, nine, nine, zero, four YouTube page. So, uh, yeah, take a listen. But it's so challenging to, for me in particular, to watch other people suffering. I mean, I suffer more for other people than I do for myself. And you suffer more for other people than their own inner beings suffer for them. Because if their inner being were looking where they are looking, then they wouldn't be suffering because there wouldn't be separation between them and their inner being. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. You're sacrificing your vortex when their own inner being will not sacrifice its vortex. Well, what is a good way to look at that for me? Well, a good way to look at it is the way, the way you're presenting it here and the way we're presenting it back for you. It's all part of the process. In other words, when someone is in the out-of-the-vortex suffering mode, and you, we were having a conversation with Jerry and Esther yesterday. When, when, when we are not allowed to have a seminar with you, they have one on their own. <laughs> and... Weird. It never stops with him. <laughs> We're talking about how if there is, let's say that you have a friend who has a hundred vibrational characteristics, and of course that's a, an exaggerated underestimation because you are vibrating on many points, but for sake of clarity, a hundred points of vibrational interest. And here you are having a relationship with this friend. So let's say, as in Jerry and Esther's case, let's say that you are their friend and that you are about 10% of who you are is vibrationally active around the teachings of Abraham. And so here Jerry and Esther are with so much of who they are active around the vibration of the teachings of Abraham. So they resonate with you on that point powerfully and have a really nice Abraham relationship with you of of expansion and understanding and pleasure from the interaction. But in your hundred points of vibrational probability, let's say that you have particular taste in food. And let's say on the food that you like to eat is very different than the food that they like to eat. So now, of your 100 points, they really resonate with you on 10, but this next 10%, they don't resonate so much. But there are all kinds of people you know with whom you resonate on that. And so law of attraction is bringing you into your um, points of harmony with others, just not with Jerry and Esther relative to that, let's say. Let's say that you have a philosophy about about... Um, physical well-being and let's say that they resonate completely with you on that so now now you have 
20 of your 100 points are resonating powerfully with them. And let's say you like a particular music and a particular poetry and a particular way of traveling. So more and more of that which you are is resonating, which makes the relationship that you have a stronger relationship. Some marriage relationships actually have very few points of resonance, while others have very strong points of resonance. So let's say that Jerry and Esther become aware of some point that is strongly active in you that is not active in them. In other words, there's no point of harmony. And they give their attention to that. So now what they've done is, let's say that you're really suffering about something, you're really worried about something. Let's say you're worried about the animals of the planet, or you're worried about, you're worried, you've been watching Planet in Peril, and it's all active in your vibration. And so, and let's say that they see you in your pain. So they focus upon that vibrational aspect of you. And in doing so, they leave their vortex because they can't focus there and, and remain a vibrational match to who they really are. And so, but, but you're there and they've been sympathizing and they've been empathizing and they care about you. You're important to them because you've had so many good conversations on so many subjects. You're what they call a very dear friend. They care about how you feel and they want to be there for you. And so when they be there with you on that thing that has you out of your vortex, they sacrifice their own connection to be there with you. And they feel it in the form of negative emotion. And we want to say no relationship can sustain much of that. In other words, when you start resonating with the out of the vortex pain that others are having, then you begin developing relationships based on that. And a lot of relationships, in fact, the majority of relationships of those that you're witnessing with most people around the planet are their hundred points, and of course there are more, but for sake of this example, they are resonating more in their pain, they are resonating more in their suffering, they are resonating more in their indignation, and they are resonating more in their injustice, they are resonating more in the things that, and, and, and in all of that, their physical human relationships are causing them to sacrifice what really matters, and then they say to us, hey Abraham, I think we should come forth into physical being and I think we should remember who we really are <laughs> and we say you remember who you really are but you gotta gut it out you've got to feel it with your emotional sensor and you've got to care about how you feel and you've got to empathize with what feels good to you when you find it you've got to empathize with what their inner being always knows not with what they may be knowing in this moment otherwise you disconnect from your vortex and now you've got nothing to give them you're just moving around resonating in empathy with others and co-creating and being part the wonder another wonderful part of the contrast that is launching more rockets but not keeping up to speed with your expanding ever expanding vortex of creation really good conversation Great. got it thank you <laughs> and did you feel did you feel how her question was partially framed up, but not completely. In other words, there was so much more in her question than she was able to articulate that didn't the question fill in as the answer evolved? Isn't this real time co-creating at its very best? Absolutely. We think so. Thank you. So yeah, as always, Dalian, Abraham delivers. I mean, it's... you're. 
you you suffer more than their own inner being when you choose to suffer because they they have the control they may not realize it but they're that is their vibration they're 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 drumming that up that is their creation and it's part of their journey it's not it's not quote unquote wrong there is no wrong there's just what does this soul want to experience at this time and if you sacrifice your own vortex and for those of you who haven't listened to a lot of abraham she's always talking about being in the vortex when you're in alignment with your highest good you're connected to source imagine plugged in you know the vortex being source energy the abundance consciousness god higher self whatever you want to call it when you're plugged in and you're dancing with that you're in the flow with that you're in your vortex you are you feel good you're joyous uh you can see the beauty in all things even challenges you you are at peace and as soon as you dive into suffering you have disconnected from source and you are in you're out of your own vortex where there you are you're pretty much powerless now no relationship can sustain she said you know no relationship can sustain resonating while out of the vortex uh if you're resonating with the the pain of others you're out of the vortex and if that's happening often, that relationship, if this happens in, a, in, in any type of relationship, it fizzles. There's no, there's no power there. It's like pulling the cord on, you know, um, you know a vacuum. It's gonna, it, may, it may still run for a few moments, but it's going to die out because there's no energy there. Um, you know, it's, it's what you talk about. You've got to emphasize, empathize with what their inner being always knows, uh, Otherwise, you disconnect from your own vortex, so you can't help them. So if you see them suffering, if you see them, you know, uh, lost in pain and suffering, the best thing you can do is give energy to the deepest part of them that comes from the source and knows all of the stuff that we're talking about here. Maybe they're consciously out of the vortex, out of their vortex, and they're lost in suffering. You can focus on the part of them deep within who that may be buried in some people that you're you're witnessing but you can focus on that part of them and give that your energy and attention and that way you don't come out of your vortex and you help to sort of uh you know um give energy where you know where attention goes energy energy flows what you pay attention to you buy into you give more of you co-create so that's the best way that you can help them is to see them beyond the suffering that that Everyone, whether you can see or fully understand it or not, is getting a reflection at some level of their soul in the vibration of their soul. And I know that's hard for a lot of people, especially when you talk about children suffering and things like that. And I always say, it's a great point. What you're not seeing is the full picture. You don't know that soul's journey. Just because they're here at three years old, they're not, they weren't created three years ago. They incarnated three years ago in this physical dimension, but they're these timeless beings that are carrying all kinds of energy with them into this world, and they actually did so willingly. So if there's something dark or whatever happening in their world, suffering related, that maybe you're saying, hey, I don't think they created this. It's not their fault. They're innocent. You don't know the whole story. You don't know what that soul has has done, been through, what it wants to experience. So jumping in and suffering too is is just not the path. Yes, Brandon. Once again, very well said. Definitely be careful. Let's be careful with not uh, fully buying into Maya, into the illusion, because I think what you hit on all the major points. And you know, I, again, I hope to kind of expand on that a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, let's let's be careful not to fall for that illusion. Let's give the I guess the moment uh, what it demands and the world what it really seems to need right now, which is a lot of compassion and empathy. Right. Right. But let's not sink to each other's level. Let's not 
you know, sink to the abject depths of despair when someone else is despairing because, as you've pointed out, I think, I mean, I think it ought to be clear, but in case it isn't, if you sink to the depths of suffering that someone else is experiencing, then you're, well, doing exactly that. You're down there with them. You're, but then how can you help them? <laughs> yeah, you jumped into the hole with them and took the end of the rope that was supposed to stay up there on top <laughs> right. above with you, right? Right, right, right. So, yeah, please, please be as compassionate as, and that may entail feeling resonating with a lot of the suffering out there, but if you if you have the larger context as to why things are happening, and that's the part where you have to question. You just can't assume that the suffering is the be-all, end-all. It's all there is to it, right? Yeah. There is so much more to every story. And that's the part where you have to try and remember, well, yeah, there's a larger context here. These people aren't suffering just because, right? And I mean, sure, you could look at it that way too, but if if you go looking for that larger context, you will find it. So yeah. if you're looking for something that you know will help you make sense of all the suffering in the world and help you genuinely offer solutions beyond just comfort, for someone else, you know, and even that is, you know, a great service to perform to other people, but it's, it becomes a huge drain on you when you don't have that larger context, yeah. when you don't know really what it's sort of all about, or don't have that reminder that there's something bigger to the story going on behind the scenes, things you don't know about, as you said, karmic reasons why the soul may have chosen to incarnate in the middle of, um, you know, what we would call a horrific... A war-torn country, yeah, you know, as exactly. a small child or what have you. Exactly, exactly. We just never know. So let's be compassionate, but let's not forget and what, judge, what's really and judge happening. what's going on as if it's ultimately bad. Because ultimately, like you said, the Maya, it's an illusion. This is a dream God once had. And you can't know the up without the down. You can't know the left without the right. So let's not... Uh, let's not determine and judge that someone experiencing hardship is not in the best interest of that soul's eternal journey because that soul is eternal and it, it, it needs the, the context to, to, you know, I've seen it said the greatest souls are born from suffering. Right. And, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. You, you know, going through these and maybe they're in the point in their soul's journey where they have consciously chosen to lose themselves completely in suffering and that serves them properly. And here you are past that maybe perhaps in your own journey, but you want to now go backwards and dive in to suffering because, you know, God, I would say God or higher selves or source, it, it is it all. It is the joy, I mean, ultimately it is love, right? But it can't know love. If, imagine if it's all one, we're all one, the consciousness that animates us, and it is love, and you have eternity. Well, that gets turns into the same as being nothing because there's no context. There's no other to experience with. There's no, there's only the, the one, right? There's no hate. There's no, to make love mean anything. There's no context. So what Source does, I firmly believe, is it separates, it chooses to forget itself. It, you know, we, we are these chips off the block, essentially, these fractals of Source that choose to experience all parts of the story. You got to know, you got to know the down to know the up. You got to, you know, it's all, it's holistic. It's all part of it. So let's be very careful not to judge that when someone's in the valley piece of the equation, that that somehow doesn't serve the the good ultimately it's all ultimately happening for good and uh when you can understand that it's it's a perspective and game changer yeah Brandy, and i recall a brief passage from conversations with god i think it was the first book where uh, neil donald walsh the author of the book and god essentially talk about christ for a minute and they go like um 
don't you doubt that Christ had the power to, if he, if he wanted to, he could have healed everyone in the planet at once because he had that power of healing, Blowing right? Through, Miraculous yeah. healing, right. And so they get into that brief um, looking at, for example, yeah, when someone approached Christ looking for healing, Christ would bestow it if you believe, of course, the story, right? Yeah. But the, the idea is that Christ would never uh, inflict a random healing, supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. He would heal those who came to him asking And that was all to get to the point that I guess God was trying to make in the book, allow each soul to walk its path. God uh, or Christ, if he had the power to heal someone, he wouldn't heal you if you didn't want it. He would heal you if you believed in his ability to heal you, right? But Mm -hmm. he would never take away your, your illness, your pain, your thing that you were holding on to that was a part of your identity, that was part of your path, Mm -hmm. that was there for you, that you created, you attracted into your life for its own set of reasons. So, yeah, I think that was one of the big takeaways from that whole passage is never interfere with another soul's path. Mm-hmm. So even if I have the power to sort of take away all your problems, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I won't do it unless you're really ready for that, yeah. unless you ask me for it. Because, and and yeah. that's a great point. And, and, you know, some would even say that uh, all healing comes from within. So perhaps what Jesus would do is create the sort of the context to dispel disbelief so that you actually heal yourself because we all have this miraculous ability, you know, and he even said, you will do do greater things than I. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's at our, all of our disposal to sort of, uh, to become this great and grand version of ourselves. And this is something actually that we talk about on, um, then uh, I think tomorrow's podcast that we're releasing with Theo and uh, you know uh, Sheila Gillette who channels Theo talks about us moving into the fifth dimension essentially now that fifth dimensional energy is here and it's all about us becoming our master selves you know our which is like sort of Buddha consciousness Christ consciousness in mass and so we all have this ability to heal and to see the whole picture holistically and know that it's all ultimately happening for love. Well, Dalian, we're out of imaginary time for today. Uh, Ellen, thank you for that wonderful question. Such, such a good one uh, to ponder. And uh, we do have some music here queued up. We have uh, a song by Closey and Volo. It's called Soul Search. I think this one was just released. I saw Closey down in um, Costa Rica a few months ago. Um, really, really uh, talented producer. Um And hope you guys love the soul search as much as I do.